today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. After seeing God's move in so many ways, he has to make a decision. His heart could have been in a position of being actually turned to the truth of the gospel. Even as Peter had already had opportunity on at least two occasions to share the truth of the gospel to the council and Gamaliel would have been part, he would have been there with it. Or perhaps, perhaps the fear of losing his prestige, of losing his power, it'll keep him from acknowledging the facts that were so evident before him. I feel that what we see here is is a man that's torn. There is a battle within each person between the heart and the flesh. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to follow Christ, you have to decide if you let go of this world and its empty promises and grab hold onto the truth and hope of the gospel. Today, Pastor David will encourage you to examine your life and decide if you're willing to surrender to the hand of God and His will in your life. And there's no middle ground. You must decide. Neutrality about God means you've chosen the world. If you wait, you may be separated from God forever. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 5 as he continues his message, No Middle Ground. Remember when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus in, Simeon came in and took up the child and blessed him and again acknowledged that he was that one. And so he said, Lord, I can now go home in peace. Now Simeon at that point in time had to be fairly old guy at that point in time. And if Gamaliel was his son, Gamaliel was probably in the area of his 30s or 40s at this time. So to hear and to understand the testimony of his father Simeon as he comes from temple that day, I believe that would have been something within the learning or the understanding of Gamaliel. If all of this is true, and we don't have any reason to suspect otherwise, here in Acts chapter 5, Gamaliel, whose grandfather being Hillel, whose father being Simeon, Ben Hillel, the just and devout, Gamaliel now finds himself in a very difficult position. He has a place of honor and respect over all of his countrymen, even among his peers, the the scholars and the other chief rabbis of the time. He has this heritage of of power and, and influence that's been passed down from his grandfather, Hillel. For years, he's demonstrated himself And and he's been recognized, Gamaliel has, he's been recognized as being a Torah scholar, an expert in the law of Israel. And there's little doubt, but that he was very possibly a part of, if not the acting president of the Sanhedrin during the time of the arrest, trial, crucifixion, and resurrection of Christ. 
Now, yes, a lot of this is speculation, but when we put the times and the frames together, it makes a lot of sense. With all that he has seen, all that he's studied, all that has possibly, again, been, been passed down by his father, Simeon, even the reality of the miracles that have been taking place over the last several days, from the healing of the lame man who had been lame for 40 years from birth there, that again, he was, he was healed completely. Not only the lame man, but now the healings of the multitudes of individuals and the deliverance from demonic spirits of multitudes of individuals there at Solomon's porch on the Temple Mount. And now to find these apostles that are miraculously released from this common prison. Folks, Gamaliel the leader of Israel is in a very difficult place. After seeing God's move in so many ways, he has to make a decision. His heart could have been in a position of being actually turned to the truth of the gospel, even as Peter had already had opportunity on at least two occasions to share the truth of the gospel to the council, and Gamaliel would have been part, he would have been there with it. Or perhaps... Perhaps the fear of losing his prestige, of losing his power, it'll keep him from acknowledging the facts that were so evident before him. I feel that what we see here is, is a man that's torn. A man, man that's torn from what his heart knows to be the right thing to do, the right direction that he knows he should take, and what his flesh desires to hold on to. But isn't that the same battle that humanity has had all through the years? Do I let go of, of, of this world and grab hold of the next? Do I reach out to the truth of the hope of the gospel and die to the things of this world? That's what Jesus says we need to do. If you're going to follow me, you need to deny self and follow me. If you're going to follow me, you need to die daily. You need to pick up your cross and follow me. And not looking back, but going on ahead. You see, it's the same It's the same situation that humanity is still faced with. And even as believers, we're still faced with. Because day after day after day, moment after moment, you and I still are making those decisions. I wish it was that just, man, on my senior year in high school when I prayed to receive Christ that I didn't have to struggle with that flesh or the wooing of the world anymore. But it doesn't work that way, amen? Some of you know that. Some of you are still... (laughs) The battle that all humanity, surrendering our lives to the hand of God or continually holding on to the things of this world. Our heart and our spirit We agree with this wooing work of the Holy Spirit of God and the the truth of the gospel, and yet our flesh continually drags us back into the things of this world and into our own desires. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but surrender and obedience, that's not a part of our natural human nature. Our natural human nature is, No, man, I'm going to grab for everything that I can. My natural human nature says, I'm I'm not letting go of anything, and I'm not going to follow anybody. I'm in control of my life. My natural human nature, man, it's all about me. And that's just the way it is. It's only when we die to self that things begin to change. And even the Apostle Paul, 
He understood that, and that's why he shares with. You've got your Bible. Keep your place there in Acts 5. We'll be back in a moment. But turn over to the book of Romans, chapter 7, a very familiar verse probably with most all of you. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Paul writes this, For I know that in me, that, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So Paul says this battle is going on within me. There, there's, there's these two forces that are happening. The one that wants to follow and do the right thing, but the other one that says, no, let's do what the flesh desires. Let's do what the world is calling us to. I've, I've used the reference, but it's been quite a long time. It's like inside of us are two dogs. And perhaps you've heard that. There's two dogs, and they're a constant battle with each other. They're constantly fighting. The one that wants to do the right thing wants to do the will of God, and the one that wants to do the things of the flesh. And the question is, is which one of those dogs is going to win? The answer is the one that you feed. If you feed the flesh, the flesh is going to win. But if you feed the spirit, that's when the spirit wins. Paul knew that the only time that that battle was going to be won is when we commit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit, surrendering our lives into his care, into his leading. Just look over a page or two in Romans chapter eight. Listen to what he says down in verse five of Romans eight. He says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity, it's against, it fights against, it struggles against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And then verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Gamaliel had a decision to make. God had revealed himself in multiple ways, in just, just a very short period of time. We see the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit coming on these men who had hid themselves for so long. No, we're going to reject that. We hear the testimony of these men as individuals are healed, as individuals come to faith in Christ, as the church begins to grow. No, we're not going to receive that. We're going to check it off. We're not going to deal with that at all. So God revealing himself, and yet they continue to close their eyes to the truth. 
but let's not lessen the fact of the difficulty of the decision that Gamaliel has to make. If he chooses the right way, then he honors God and he gives credence to the cause and to the truth of the gospel. And yet at the very same time, he loses everything he counts as worthy and as necessary in this life. If he determines he's going to go and follow Christ, he's no longer going to be the leader of the Sanhedrin. He's no longer going to be respected by his peers. As a matter of fact, he's going to enter into the same kind of persecution these apostles are if he makes the right decision. But if he makes a choice in the other direction, if he rejects, if he shuts off the truth of the gospel that's been made so evident to him through these months and weeks and even these last few days, if he shuts all of that, both in the fulfillment of the scriptures and in the testimony of the lives that are being changed through the power of Jesus, as well as even the probable words of his own father, Simeon, as he spoke about the consolation of Israel having come. Yet in that rejection of the truth, oh, he'd be able to retain that temporary place of power. He'd be able to still hold on to that influence in this current world. But what does that have to do with you and I today? I believe it's very clear as, as we look at the situation with Gamaliel, that you and I, we, we all, we have to examine our own lives. Are we trying to hold on to, are we trying to seek comfort in this world by denying the eternal truth and the surety of the next? Or are we willing to completely and fully surrender to that eternal truth of the gospel, the hope that's found in the gospel, and let go of the things of this world, things that you cannot fully hold on to anyway? Because, beloved, it's all going to burn. It's but for a moment. And do we hold on to the pleasure and the good favor with the world? Or do we seek the favor and the good pleasure of God in our lives? Are we able to say with the Apostle Paul, that what things were gained to me, these I've counted as lost to Christ. And yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. You see, for Gamaliel, just like so many others, he's going to try and, and, and play the middle ground, not really make a decision Either way, he's going to try and skirt the responsibility of making a firm decision. But beloved, in matters of our spiritual lives and our destiny, there is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. Go back with me to Acts. You thought we were finished there. We're not. Uh, Acts chapter 5. Verse 34 tells us that Gamaliel stood up and he commanded the guards to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to the, them, the, the balance of the Sanhedrin there, he said, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theodos uh, rose up claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. And he was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered, and they came to nothing. 
Then after this, Judas of Galilee, he rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. So he brings it to mind, these guys of the past, in kind of an effort to slow the Sanhedrin down. Remember, they were, they were plotting to kill the apostles. He brings to mind these that from the past that were some sort of leaders. He doesn't say that they were claiming to be Messiah or anything. They were just leaders and drawing people to themselves. And in essence, what he is saying is, look, guys, you need to understand. This Jesus that they're preaching about, he's of no more importance than Theodos and Judas of Galilee. So if you just leave these men alone, their cause, Christianity and the gospel and the church, all of that will simply die away. It'll be scattered. It'll become nothing. I think it's pretty interesting, though, to note that history shows us in a very short while that since Israel denied the message of the gospel, it was actually Israel that became scattered and came to nothing. Because they rejected their salvation, destruction was waiting at the door for them. But when Gamaliel speaks something that seems to make sense, something that, that, that many have even applauded, he appears to give some sort of a prudent, some sort of an easy, simple answer. He says to them in verse 38, in verse 38, and now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it lest you even be found to fight against God. Now, in the world's mind, that sounds like a very logical thing, a very logical way of responding. Yeah, hey, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to see how it all pans out. As a matter of fact, perhaps you know people who say, you know, I, I hear what you're saying when you talk about the gospel, but I'm not ready yet. Maybe later in my life, maybe when I get older, I'll, I'll make a decision for Christ, but not right now. But beloved, the Word of God tells us, it makes it very clear. We're either on the Lord's side or we are against Him. There is no middle ground. We aren't given the pleasure of waiting around to see how it's all going to work out and then at the very end decide, okay, now I'll, I'll choose Christ. No, beloved, by that time it's going to be too late. To not accept the gospel is to deny the grace and the plan of God. Folks, we never know when any of us might hear that word of God come to us declaring, you fool, this very night your soul is going to be required of you. The word of God says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The fact is, is because these men did not embrace the message of the cross and the hope that's found in the gospel, they found themselves at once fighting against God and his plan. There's no neutral position when it comes to eternal matters. There's no middle ground. They cannot overthrow it, but neither can they ignore it and hope to go without punishment. And so here was their plan, verse 40. And the council agreed with Gamaliel. And when they had called for the apostles and they'd beaten them, they commanded that they should speak no more in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. Now, if you remember, they, they tried this before and it didn't really work out. So I'd have to ask them the question in the words of that great theologian of our time, Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? 
because they don't speak about that guy's name anymore. And the next day, they're right there on the Temple Mount speaking. Now, we're going to beat you, and we're telling you, don't say that anymore. And the next day, they're right out there speaking again. Let's look. Let's see how it works out. Verse 41. Verse 41, so they, the apostles, departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And so they left town and they didn't speak ever again. No, what does it say? Daily, daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Why? Because when they came to Christ, they already reckoned themselves dead. He says, I'm dead to myself. God, whatever you want for me. And that's why being in prison, being beaten, and even the fear of death did not dissuade them, did not push them aside. Daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They willingly laid it all down and God gave them great freedom to continue to proclaim the message. Warren Wearsby, real quick, he, gives, he, he speaks about the oddness, the weirdness of this situation. He says, what a contrast between the apostles and the members of the council. The council was educated. They were ordained. They were approved. And yet they had no ministry of power. No power in their ministry whatsoever. The apostles, on the other hand, they were ordinary laymen, and yet God's power was at work in their lives. The council was trying desperately to protect themselves and their dead traditions, while the apostles were risking their lives to share the living word of God. The dynamic church was enjoying the new, while the dead council was defending the old. Man, to his own eternal demise, tries to hold on to the temporary things of this world. And he does that at the cost of losing life in Christ. That's why Jesus tells us in Matthew 16, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul. And yet we also know that man is at his very best and at the fulfillment of his own creation when he reckons himself dead and allows Christ to live in and through him. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live and yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Beloved, to not choose Christ is to choose against God and his eternal plan. There's no middle ground. I don't know where all of you are this morning. I don't know where your stand is in your relationship with Christ. Or perhaps even, even as a believer, perhaps you're here today and you still find yourself choosing the things of this world rather than the things of the Spirit. And inside you, you feel that death. You feel that emptiness because you know your life is not all that it should be. When we turn and begin choosing Christ over everything else this world has to offer, beloved, according to the Word of God and the testimony of the saints for generations, the life of Christ and the power of the Spirit works within us. 
as we continue to press closer to Him. That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit theopenword.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for the open word.